Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church, everybody that's here physically and everybody online. Are you happy to be here today? All right, I know there's a little trepidation in the room today. I understand what's going to happen in a few hours. Faith, my friends, faith. I can say that because my team is nowhere to be. We will be at the Super Bowl at the concession stands. The Steelers will be there vending peanuts and probably Coca-Cola. Before we get rolling today, I just felt really strong and pressed in my heart. Um, Some of you know the story of Hagar. I'm not talking about Sammy Hagar. I'm talking about the biblical story of Hagar uh, and Abraham. Um, She was a concubine, and uh, Abraham, at that point, was not able to have kids, so they came up with this great idea. Hey, take the concubine, and you can have kids through her. How many of you know that sometimes we muck up God's plans with our humanity, and we try to figure things out, even though God's already got it under control? I know the God of the universe, the God that created Saturn, we're not sure if he can get it done, but maybe we should just trust him. So long story short, they do it their way instead of God's way, and... um, Hagar and Sarah don't get along, and she makes life for Hagar, Sarah does, cruel, so she leaves, pregnant, she's afraid, she doesn't know what to do, and God meets her while she's separated, and uh, he says, Hagar, he says, what's, what's going on, and, and she's like, she, she, she bears her, her soul to God, and God says, I see you, I love you, and I have a plan for you, but you have to trust me. Um, So then she names God. She gives him one of the names. He says, he's the God that sees me. And I just, I sensed very strong this morning. Some of you are here and you feel forgotten by God. You are not forgotten. He sees you. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in your pain. Even later, when you go on to Hagar's story, you know, they end up uh, moving her out of the camp, and she's there with her young child, her young boy, Ishmael, and, and they're out of water and out of supplies, and she's there, and they're getting ready to die, and she puts them underneath a, a bush, and she goes, they says about an arrow's thing away, and he says, I can't be there when my son dies. And, and God reminds her again of who he is. He finds her. And he says, I'm, I'm sticking to my promises. My promises don't change. Even though your circumstances may look different, my promises don't change. And the Bible says in that moment, God opens her eyes and there's a well there and they fill up their water and everything's fine. I want to encourage you. God sees you. He sees you in your pain. He sees the tears that you cry at night on your pillow that nobody else sees. He sees you. He's not forgotten you. He loves you. You are not alone. So just shut your eyes for a second. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and to strengthen you and to empower you with those words. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. You are valued, supported, loved by God. So Father, I pray right now, just in this moment, that God you would take those words and you would cement them deep into our hearts. That God, even though at times we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though at times we don't see the end of the road, you've already been there. And we can walk with confidence knowing that you're next to us. In your name and everybody said. All right. Um, It's good to see everybody this morning. We always want to kind of make room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Um, Today we finish off our series called First Things First. 
This crazy thing happens when it comes to the kingdom. If you put God first, he takes care of everything else. He does. There's a big thing for us to learn when it comes to us as believers as priorities. Even in life, priorities are very important. So I'm going to teach with you, I'm going to teach the talk today I was going to teach last week before God kind of took us a little left. Um, so our, our talk today starts in the mountains of Colorado. We had moved to Colorado. Something happens when you move into a different region. So I grew up in the East Coast, and then I spent about 10 years in Chicago, the Flatlanders there. Chicago is great if you like pizza, hot dogs, and corn, and, and, and land with no pitch. You can see forever and ever, hallelujah, hallelujah, right? So we go to Denver, which is an entirely different environment. I thought I was a mountain person until we got to Colorado. And while we're there, I, one of the guys in the church gave me one of the first gifts that I received anywhere, and it was called, it's a mountain box. I didn't even know what it was. I just knew it was heavy. There's this box with all this stuff in it, and I put it in the back of our, of our car. We had a, a Land Rover, uh, a Discovery 7, Discover 7, which is just a tank. It was great. And I had it in the back there and didn't think much of it, didn't even look in it, actually. About nine months later, I'm up in the mountains. It's snowing. It's a wintertime thing, and I'm up there with a couple other guys from the church. We're just enjoying the, you know, the Rockies. And this guy comes whipping through with a, with a Wrangler. And we talk a little bit, and... Uh, and then he, uh, he kind of heads off into doing his thing, a pretty dangerous area. And we just go and we keep talking. And, uh, and as we were doing our thing, uh, about an hour later, this kid comes walking back through the snow. The snow's up to his thighs. He looks ragged. He looks like something happens. We go, hey, what's going on? He goes, I got up in this place. I'm in a little too deep because I turned over. The, the Jeep's on its side. I don't know what to do. Now, we're in a remote area. We're 10 miles to the nearest town. There's no cell service for about five or six miles. We are in the middle of nowhere. So they got this thing that happens in, 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 in those types of conditions. I saw it in Colorado, saw it in Alaska. We help each other. So that meant this. You, know, you can't get out to, to call for the authority, so you have to rely on each other. And one of the reasons they gave me this mountain box was they gave it to me with the understanding that if you're in a, in a place that's rough and you see somebody in need, you got to help them. So literally, I opened the mountain box for the first time to see if there's something in there we could help this guy. So I open it up, and they've got, there's like an emergency blanket in there, and there's all kind of, there was food in there. Who knew? If I'd have known there were Snickers in there, those would have probably been absent from my mountain kit. We had all these things, and one of the things that was in the mountain kit was a tow chain. That's what made it so heavy. So one of the guys said, listen, he goes, man, your, your car's a tank. Let's just take it up there and see if maybe we can pull him out get his, his Jeep close to the road so we can get help. So we go back there, we hook up his, 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 you know, our, our tow chain, we end up pulling this, this Jeep out, it was undrivable, but at least we got it toward the road, and then we got this guy in the back, we took him down, we got him food, we got everything we needed to do, and it, it was great, the guy was very grateful. Can't tell you how often in the 10 years that we were in, in, in Denver that we would be in the mountains and we'd have to help somebody. And I always made sure after that moment that my mountain kit was always ready, was always up to date, and always packed. And whatever food, the, the minimum requirement of food, I tripled that. Because you never know when you may get stuck in the mountains and you may need a cheeseburger. I'm just saying, you just never know. That was probably the greatest gift that I got in Colorado when I first got there. And I didn't even really know what it was or how to use it. So here's the question. Sometimes, have you ever wondered why God gave you the gift that he gave you? What are your gifts? Those are the things that he, he put inside of us to do, to become, to live. Have you ever wondered how those gifts came about? I mean, do you think really like, you know, before you came on the earth, you're in heaven, 
and you're standing in gift lines and, you know, it's random. I just got in the shortest line and I got the dumbest gift. Do you think that's how God did it? Or do you think it's possible that the God of the universe intelligently designed you to have certain gifts to accomplish certain things? Is that possible? It's more than than possible. It's, It's why God did it. God gave you the gifts that he gave you for a purpose, for a reason. 1 Peter 4.10 says it this way. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So God gives us the gifts, these beautiful things, to do a few things. One, to serve him, to offer them back to him. Two, to serve others. And then three, to expand the kingdom. God wants to expand the kingdom through you and your gifts. So when it talks, you know, when we start to talk about gifts, the things that God's given us. I think you can break them into three really distinct categories we're going to talk about today. First, God gives us the gift of time. Time is the most precious thing you have. It is. He gives us the gift of time. He gives you the gift of talent. So those are the things that he's created you to do. And then he gives you this gift of treasure, the things that you have. So let's start with time. Time, by far, is the most valuable gift you possess. It's more precious and fleeting than any of us realize. They often say this, youth is wasted on the young. When you're young, you think you're invincible. When you're young, you don't understand the concepts of time. But I don't know if it's, you know, if it's just as we get older, if it's part of the nature of things. The older you get, the more goodbyes you have to say to people. I think the more we start to appreciate what time is and how fleeting it is. James 4.14 puts it this way. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Sometimes we forget this. Growing old is not a gift that everybody gets to receive. It's just not. Um, You know, one of the things that I have to do as a pastor is I have to help people to say goodbye to people, family members. And when somebody passes on that has lived a long, full, beautiful life, it's easy. It's a celebration. This last week, uh, Neil Taylor lost his dad beautiful guy in his 90s and uh, loved God with all of his heart. He stepped from this world, stepped into the next world, and God welcomed him. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's the way it should be. And we can celebrate those times. We'll miss him, but we can celebrate those times. But there's other times when um, by far the toughest thing I have to do is bury kids and young people before I think it's their time. What do you do when you have to bury people that should still be here, should be vibrant? I remember um, in Denver, we, uh, our church there, I, I still remember, uh, we had one of our beautiful worship leaders. Uh, her name is Ramey Miller. That's a picture of her right there. Uh, this is in the morning, and you could tell Ramey was not a morning person. <laughs> By the height of her hair, she looks like a fraggle, um, but that's, that's another story. First time I met the uh, Miller family, it was a Christmas Eve service. And uh, they came in. I remember her brother came in first. She had two brothers. Uh, her one brother was skinny as a rail, about six foot seven, long, stringy, blonde hair. He came in. I thought, who's this broomstick coming in? And then mom and dad came in after him. Both mom and dad were about six three. She was a big girl. Dad was a big guy. And then Ramey came in. Ramey was about six two, but she was wearing heels, which made her about six four. It was ridiculous. How many of you notice a six foot four blonde lady when she walks into a room? And then the big one came in, their brother, Ryan Miller, was 6'8". 
wearing cowboy boots. And I found out Ryan was a, uh, so it made him like 6'10". Uh, he was a, an offensive tackle for the Denver Broncos. Big man. We made sure that Ryan always stayed happy. Boy, could he eat. Talk about men's breakfast. It was staggering what he could eat. It became part of our family. Ramey became an intricate part of our family. She, um, like I said, she was a creative animal, uh, a worshiper, a worship leader, played guitar, piano, did all, or just sang, did all kind of beautiful things. When we left Denver, we went to Wisconsin, and uh, I still remember the day her dad called me to let me know that she had passed away. 26 years old, she passed away. Some freak thing. She had stomach issues. She was taking this stomach stuff, a new thing, and it, and it just didn't go well, and she died in her sleep. What do you do when you lose somebody like Ramey, 26 years old? Those are the times that remind you that life is, is so fragile. You know, and I think one of the weirdest things about losing people that are young is this. In our minds, we're supposed to continue to grow old. I had an opportunity a couple weeks ago to go back and to see some of my family in Pittsburgh, and I got to go back to meet all of my cousins, my Greek cousins. Some of them I haven't seen for seven or eight years, and this crazy thing happened. They all got, like, super old. Now, I'm still young and, and vibrant and delightful, but they got old. I told Rob, I said, if you're watching, I'm sorry, guys. Somebody had to say it. I'm sorry. We all got old. I had one moment, we're in the living room, and I'm there with my cousin Mike and my cousin Andy and, and, and Vance who were sitting there. And we used to talk about things like our adventures and our trips and sports. And we were talking about the amazing gift that the raised toilet seat gives us now as people. And I looked at Mike and said, what happened to us? We're talking about raised toilet seats, not adventures. Get old, going to the bathroom is an adventure, apparently. So I think one of the tough things is Ramey will always be 26. Every year that goes on, she'll stay where she is. We continue, but they stay that way forever. Time is valuable. Don't take it for granted. Don't use it recklessly. And don't hoard it. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't waste it on meaningless things. Be meaningful with it. Uh, last Tuesday, we, um, we went up, uh, Toby's playing volleyball at UVF, and we went up to, to experience the UVF experience with Toby's volleyball game, and it was fun, and we get up there, and, and I'm just going to say this delicately, uh, their volleyball program is in, is, is in, they're progressing, slowly but surely, they're, they're getting better, that's a great way for saying, they're not very good, <laughs> they're just not very good. So we're up there, and they're playing this team that isn't very good. The only thing worse, when, some, when you play a team that's not very good and you're not very good, that means if you lose, that drops you down another rung. It's bad. So it's like make or break time. So we're in there in the gym, and there's, it's loud. I had a headache for like two days. And, and, and they somehow they win. And, and you would have thought they won the Super Bowl. They, I mean, it was incredible, and everybody's doing great, and blah, blah, blah. So in the morning, I always text my kids in the morning, and we, I pray for them, and we talk. And in the morning, before I could text Toby, he texted me. He said, Dad, you know, it was such a great, great day yesterday, great win. And he says, thank you for being there. He says, oh, you have no idea how much it means to me that you were there to watch. Time. Love. We give our kids that. We honor people with that. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. We give those that we love time. 
So we know what it looks like for us in people. What does it look like for us to give God the best parts of our time? What does it look like for us to honor God with giving him the first fruits of our time? I think when we do that, I think you gotta look at two things uh, that'll help us to honor him with our time, to make him first in our time. First is this, start your day off with the sacrifice of time. Let God be the first thing that gets your time. It's so important that you start your day off right. Let me tell you this, I know a lot of you most of you need to put God in your life the first thing in the morning because you're not very nice when he's not there. Two things I would recommend, coffee and time. God, excuse me, coffee and God, give them your time, right? Now, I know this, some of you are like, man, Pastor TJ, I'm not a morning person. I understand that. You know, Robin is not a morning person. I'm not talking about that. By the way, though, I do think it's interesting. You know, you can be a morning th- person if it's something that you really want to do, Right? We're going on a trip. You don't even sleep that night. It's Christmas Day. Woohoo! You know? I'm not talking about your devotional hour, two hours, whatever it is. I'm talking about the first fruits of your day. Start your first parts of your fruit, you know, of your day off with God. Give him the best parts of your time. If you operate the best in the morning, give him that thing. This is what uh, Psalm 5:3 says. Oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch. When you get up and you honor God with your time every day, when he's the first thing you do, you know, you connect with in the morning, you give him a sacrifice of time, and that's an important thing to God. It gets everything set off right. It settles you, it aligns your heart with him, and it helps you to stay in in step with his purposes. Now, what's funny is, you know, David wasn't the only one that did this. Even Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus did some incredible things, but there's a pattern in the life of Jesus. As he did incredible things, sometime before the incredible thing, Jesus was alone with his father, usually before anybody got up, spending time with him. This is what Mark 135 says. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. It's important. First of, that you give him the first parts of your time. Give him in the morning a sacrifice of time. Maybe that's your full thing. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe it's five minutes. Here's the point. Start somewhere and give him your best. Give him your first breaths. Because here's what happens. If God gets the back end, not the front end, how many times do we do all of our stuff and then God just gets whatever we have left over? I'm too tired. There's too much. Give them your first fruits of time. Second, seek the kingdom first with your time. Now, what does that mean? It means this. Allow God to be part of the process of how you divvy up this fragile resource called time. Lay your life before him. Lay your calendar before him and ask him, Lord, what do you require from me when it comes to my time? This is what Psalm 90:12 says. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is the same verse in the Passion Translation. Listen how it puts it. Help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. How many people do you know that struggle with time management? You know what that is? The inability to interpret your life correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts. So our challenge, again, when it comes to us and it comes to your schedule and your calendar, we usually don't start with God at the center. We start with us. 
and we work everything else around us, not him. Now, I understand this. You have jobs. I understand you've got children. If you've got a, a nine-month-old that's hungry and it's feed the baby or have devotions, I would recommend feeding the baby because the baby's going to cry the whole time, you know, but you don't understand, nine-month-old. Me and Jesus had a talk. I'm sure Jesus would feed the baby. But what I am saying is this. Involve God in the planning of your day and your time. Lay it before him. Don't let him be an afterthought. So what are some practical ways that we can put God first in our time? How do we have godly priorities when it comes to our time? Here's just a few little thoughts just to think about. First, when you lay your calendar before God, pursue him first. It's about the pursuit. He doesn't get the leftovers. He doesn't get the crumbs. He gets the main part of the meal. As you lay your calendar down, Lord, help me to orient my life, my time around you, not around me. And I'm telling you right now, it'll radically change what your calendar looks like. We have things in our calendar, we have things that happen in our, in our days that, guys, they're wastes of time, meaningless. I'm not telling you that I have fun. I'm not telling you you can't do things to relax. I'm telling you, start with him first, and you'll have an abundance of everything else. You will. The second part of it, you pursue God. Second, you love people with your time. That's how we love people. We spend time with them. Make sure that people are priority in your life, those close to you and then others. It can't just be people close to you. It has to be others. You have to make time for each other in the church. You do. You have to make time to, you know, it's so funny. Sometimes we think breaking bread is a waste of time. It is not. You know, we have Wednesday Night Grow, and it's great teaching, and it's great. You can come and get different classes. My favorite part of Wednesday Night Grow is the meal. We have an hour-long meal that we sit and we talk with each other. And, and during that hour, I find out all kinds of stuff about people. And we connect and we love and we get to know each other deeply. Come and be a part. I hear some of you go, I don't know anybody in this church. Come Wednesday night to know people. Just come. The food's great. Dave cooks it. It's amazing. Come and just be connected. Third, live from your purposes. Don't just live off your to-do list. I've never spent time. I've, I've probably sat with at least a half a dozen people when they've taken their last breath. And never one that I meet that said, boy, I wish I had more time to work. I wish I could just get one more project done. The regret that I've experienced with people always dealt with people, purpose. Lord, I wish I could have done more for you. And time. I wish I just had another day. Time is so important. Let's go to the next thing now. Talents. How do we put God first when it comes to our talents? Well, first, what are your talents? Your talents are the abilities, the things that God gave you to do. He blessed us all uniquely to do things. We've got common talents and unique things. I remember years ago, I don't know why, Tyler was always drawn toward juggling. Of all things to be drawn toward, I don't know why he was drawn toward juggling. He just was my eldest. So I remember he was all excited. We got him a learn-to-juggle packet thing, and you learned how to juggle scarves. And then he would move on to other things. So he was just juggling scarves. I think he was in like maybe third grade, second or third grade, juggling his scarves. And he was so proud of his juggling ability, his school, his grade school had a talent show. So he signed up to be part of the talent show. And he went in and you had to do all your stuff. So he was doing the talent show stuff and he did his stuff and it's da And the teachers were like, well, that, that's an interesting gift. We're going to make you the pre-show to the talent show. He says, we'll have you do that, and then we'll have you come in, and it'll be great. He was so excited. He was thrilled. We were proud parents. It's the first time we ever got to experience a talent like that with a child. 
So I still remember this. We walked into the auditorium, and Tyler was out there juggling his scarves. Tyler had his big glasses, his little round little head. He's doing his little thing, and, and he was concentrating. There was no smiling. There was no joy because juggling is serious business. And, and this, this thing happened, and he's still wounded to this day. It's crazy. As he was juggling, he was supposed to come in as they were getting ready to start and then juggle up to the stage and get everything started. But as they started everything, somebody shut the back doors, and they shut and they locked. So Tyler was on the outside of the back doors. Nobody knew he was out there, and he was just looking in the whole time with his little scarves. It was, it was sad, very sad. He's very wounded still to this day. But what's funny is this. We'll go and do stuff, and Tyler will just, he has progressed past scarves. Now he can juggle like balls and fruit and all kind of weird stuff. Don't know why. If you ever see Tyler say, Ty, juggle for me, and he'll grab whatever's around and just start juggling it. Maybe he could do chainsaws someday. I don't know. That would be exciting. Better than scarves. A useless talent. Maybe, but maybe God will use it to do something else. Here's the point. God created us all with the gifting, the talents to do something. Why did God do this? Why did he give you something to do like that? To remind you that your faith is not just here. Your faith was never meant to just be lived inside. Your faith was meant to be action outside. What did James say? I'll show you my faith by what I do right? Sometimes our faith turns into this intellectual pursuit, beloved, where we just, if I can just get more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge, that'll be great. Us Christians, we're weird people. We spend most of our lives training to do nothing. Have you thought about that? We do. Don't get me wrong, knowledge is great. I'm a fan. I read. I, I'm, a, I'm a voracious reader. I consume knowledge at a, at a crazy pace. But understand this. If I just consume things and I never do anything with what I do, what's the point? And it's not about holiness. You know who makes you righteous? Jesus. You're not enough on your own. I don't care. He doesn't care the books you read. Hello? So for us, those gifts are the things that he gave us, again, to, 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 to go outside. Our faith was designed to be live out loud and to impact others, not just in a theoretical way, but in a practical way. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 puts it this way. Paul said this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good uh, to everyone, and especially those that are in the household of faith. So when it comes to giving God your talents, the best of your talents, these outward expressions, I think they can, they can go into two categories. When it comes to this physical part of service, one, acts of service, and two, special abilities. What are acts of service? These are the nuts and bolts parts of Christianity. These are the things that you are expected to do and be as a fully devoted follower of Christ. These are the things that you don't need a word for. Well, that person's hungry. Lord, should I feed them? Let me help you with that. Yes! Feed them, help them, be the church. That's what the church does. That's just what we are. Those are the nuts and bolts things of faith. There are things in your faith that need to be done. There are things that make you, that mark you as a believer. Beloved, there's more to our faith than just going to church. Christianity was never designed to be a spectator sport. Even Jesus reminded us of this when it talks about serving and helping each other. He said this in Mark 10, 40 or 44. Whoever wants to be great among you must be a slave of all. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to be a servant, to offer his life as a ransom for others. So basic Christianity, Christianity 101 involves serving others. If you're not serving somewhere, there's a piece of your faith that's missing. Serve, get involved. Even Jesus modeled this for us practically, not only with his teachings, but with his actions. Let me ask you a question. If you knew you had one more day left on the planet, what would you do? Would you go get a big meal? Would you have that big steak? Then of ice cream on top of the steak? Would you go to visit people? Would you uh, do something, you know, would you run up all your credit card bills? What would you do? If you'd one day, what would you do? So Jesus, kind of cool, knew his end was coming. And in his final moments, the most important thing that he could show us and teach us in those final moments, the last meal, he's, he's hanging out with the disciples. And in, in that last thing, that I mean, this is the thing that they're going to remember. This is what Jesus decided to do, to wash feet. Now, I don't know if you understand what foot washing was like back in the day compared to now. Now you go get your pedicure. We take our clean feet and we make them clean and prettier. But back in the day, you know, they, they didn't have, you know, cars. They didn't have motorcycles. They had feet. And in the day, you had these sandals or you would walk barefoot on these dirt roads. You think our roads are bad and they are bad, but they're not like they used to be. So people would go and they'd walk these roads with the dirt and the grime and because of the animals, the poo, get that stuck between your toes, ah, right? So what would happen in Jewish households is this, you'd come into the household and the lowest, you know, a servant or the lowest of the house would come and wash the feet. So in the Harris house, the lowest of the house would be Toby John Harris because he's, he's the youngest. There's nobody lower. I mean, the dogs can't do it. Now, if someday we get a grandchild, then they would be the lowest. There's no subtle hints there at all, but it's just possible. Someday they'll get it. So what would happen is this. You'd come to the house, and the, the servant would wash your feet, and you'd go into the meal. So imagine Jesus on this last night, the one that fed the 5,000, the one that turned the water to wine, the one that raised the dead, takes himself, and he puts himself in the position of a servant to teach us something. This is John 13, 12. It says this, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. It's the heart of Jesus, it's the heart of God that we practically serve one another. Jesus modeled it for us. Paul talked about in Galatians chapter five, he said this, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Sometimes we interpret that verse as just being the sinful part of like, you know, don't do all these evil, wicked things. Do you know what the genesis of all the evil and wickedness that lives in you, you know where that thing starts? It starts in selfishness. When it becomes about you instead of anybody else. Don't use that to just worry about you. Serve one another. Step outside the box. 
Now, here's the beautifulness about serving and about giving your talents to God. There's a bunch of things that you can do in the kingdom that you don't need a word for, that you don't need, you know, training for. So what we do is we look for ways to serve each other practically. Now, Trinity, we've got incredible service opportunities to do stuff. And it's funny, you think, well, but I don't understand, you know, I don't know, is this going to you know, be a waste of my, my, my talent? No, anytime you pour into people, it's not wasted. I had a moment this morning. I came in and, and Emily Simmons was doing her worship stuff. And John's in the back running around. He just picked up some stuff. And their little baby, she's running all over the place. She's got drums, sticks, and she's doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I had a moment. Um, I remember hearing the story that, you know, back when John was small, Paul, who's on the soundboard, was his ranger commander. And I wonder if Paul fought in a million years when he was in that, that dungeon part of, of New City Church with those kids and those little ranger kids, if he ever could imagine that he would see a day to where what he was pouring into this young man that one day he would meet a woman and they would have children and that legacy, the stuff that, that, that was poured into John would be poured into their kid and that would pour into others. That is what it means for us to take your talent and to lay it before the church and to pour into practically helping people and helping them to grow. That's what we do as, as a church. It's more than just what we can get out of it. It's what we put into it. It's serving and not just serving for our own selfish reasons, it's serving others. And then watching those others impact the kingdom. That's what we do. So at Trinity, we've got tons of service opportunities. Do something. You can't be a fully devoted follower of Christ to do nothing. Do something. Be part of the church. Be part of hospitality. You know the beautiful thing about hospitality? You get to see all the goodies first. And they need to be tested. They need to be tasted. Be a part of the kids' ministry. Guys, our kids' ministry is exploding. We need your help. Be part of youth ministry. On Friday nights, there's 100 teenagers here. Come help. Get on the band. We need singers. We need players. We need drummers. We need guitar players. Come and be a part. And this is cool. You may say, like, you know, man, I don't even, I don't even know what, what you do. Don't even ask the question of what you're going to do. Just say, sign me up, do something. We have QR codes there. They'll take you to our serve opportunities. Come and do something. Now, that takes you to one other thing. So we have the, you know, the regular part of acts of service, and then you have the special abilities. These are the things, the unique ways that God has gifted you to do something. These are more specialized. These are a little different. Why? Not all of us are gifted the same, thank God. We're a body with many parts. Aren't you glad that the eye and the ears function differently? You need them all. You need them both, right? Aren't you glad that your nose functions different than your toes? And they're not close, so you don't smell them. Right? We all function different. So this is the thing. You take the thing that God gifted you to do, and when you, you live out your faith through that gift, you honor God and it gives you pleasure. It just does. You honor God and it gives you pleasure. Um, you know, for example, this is so cool. This is ridiculous. So this morning, I'm talking to Gretchen Thompson, and we're out by the cafe. And she goes, I got to tell you something cool that happened. I go, what? She says, we have some friends that have been coming to the church. And they, they're coming to the church because in December, they drove past the church and all, they saw all the lights. They didn't even come inside. They saw all the lights. So, so one of the daughters says, that church, it looks cool. Let's go there. So they came to the church. They become, this is their third week. I met them today. And they're, like, they're just like, this is the greatest thing ever. 
These are nominal, you know, they don't really know God, I guess. I don't, or they just, we're, or they, we're showing them a different thing of God. They grew up Catholic, and this is just a new understanding. So as Gretchen is telling me that today, I, I tell the story in the first service, because this is why it's cool. So the lights, the reason we have all these crazy lights, you know, Ryan, uh, you know, Grace's husband, Ryan, is, is super smart. Don't you, aren't you glad you have super smart people in your life? Super smart, so he kind of was the brainchild of all the stuff between him and Dawson and all these guys. They program these lights. These are not go down to the Home Depot and get a couple string of lights lights. These are the ones that do all the stuff and you can assign them and you can do these great things. So they take this vast knowledge of computer programming and building for three months before December. Ryan is building this stuff in his bedroom. Grace is like, you gotta get this stuff out of the bedroom. But it was like the only safe place where the kids wouldn't destroy it. So they come and they put all this stuff up and you're thinking, why? You know, God, how can you possibly use this type of knowledge to do anything in your kingdom? And lo and behold, a family drives by, they see the lights and they come. So for our Saturday night lights, that's just when we opened up the church, you know, we did lights on the outside and cookies on the inside. You can come in. For three weeks, we saw 1,500 people here to look at the pretty lights. Some of you are here right now because of that. That's taking the gift that God gave you and using it to the fullest, whatever that gift is. So for example, when it comes to gifts, you know, some of them translate well to church ministry, music. If you're musical, come be a part of the team. If you love to teach, find teaching opportunities. We are not a non-opportunity church. We're an equipping church. That means this, there are plenty of opportunities for you to teach. On our grow nights, I think right now we probably have eight different teachers on grow nights teaching our main sessions. Why? Because if you're created to teach, we need to have holes for you to teach. So here's the, here's the bottom line. Offer to God, lay it before God, and serve him with your special gift and your special ability without strings, without expectations. God will make ways for your gifts to be used, like with Ryan and these guys. For example, we had, um, some of you know Big Dave, Big D, does the well. Dave, uh, I love Dave. Dave's got the biggest heart on the planet. Um, I've seen Dave do things for people. It's just remarkable. So around probably October, <clears throat> Dave was at a conference and just a vendor at a conference, and God spoke to Dave. He said, Dave, he said, I got things I want you to do. He said, but I need you to do me a favor. I need you to lay down your barbecue competitions this year. So Dave will go to competitions and, and take his, his barbecue and he'll put it in there. You know, he's got trophies more trophies for barbecue than I've had my entire life. And I've got a lot of participation trophies. <laughs> and ribbons. So Dave has this moment with God, and he says, okay, God. He says, if you want me to lay this down, I will. Not knowing fully what God wanted to do yet. So it was a little bit of time after that, God started to really prick Dave's heart about making sure that nobody, nobody in our area goes hungry. Nobody. I think like 10 miles around the well, nobody will go hungry. But Dave has this dilemma. He's like, how do we feed people within 10 miles of our church? That's, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. Lord, how do we do that? We don't have the resources. To do, we don't have anything to do that. So, you know, God didn't ask Dave to figure it out. You know what he asked Dave to do? Say yes. So he said yes. And, and he said, you know, God's just going to have to figure it out. And the weirdest thing happened. We have a connection. This is Mark Russo. He's one of our, he does some, some stuff here at the church. He works at Sunday Breakfast Mission. He's just talking to Dave one day. He says, yeah, he goes, you know, we, got some, we have extra food at the Sunday breakfast mission. We just don't know what to do with it. And Dave goes, I do. So 
this was Dave. They sat down and they said, you know, Lisa, we'll start bringing you food. Dave's like, we'll cook the food and we'll get it to anybody that's hungry. We'll get it to anywhere we need to go. But Dave said this. He goes, he goes but I want to start small. I want to start low. I don't want to go crazy with this thing. So the first week, they bring Dave 80 chickens. Because, you know, we want to ease into this thing. 80 chickens. How many of you would know what to do with 80 chickens? I can tell you this. I know one person that knows what to do with 80 chickens. Dave Deal. I was overwhelmed. How are you going to cook 80 chickens? Dave goes, it's easy. You put them here, you do this, blah, 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 and <laughs> cooked 80 chickens. In that day, they went and they fed one of the schools. All the kids, they were, it was nuts. We sent food home with families. They fed everybody. They even sent a big thing of food up into uh, the Poconos. Uh, there's a, a, a nunnery that feeds 1,000 people up there. It's an old coal mine. All from just this abundance. Why? Dave said yes. And Dave has this special gift. He, he can cook. And when Dave cooks, when he feeds people, he feels God's pleasure. He lays the talent down. He does. Now, know this, beloved. When it comes to giving your talent to God, this is very important for us. Don't remember this. That gift, that talent that God gave you is his, not yours. So don't give it back to him with strings that are attached. God, I will honor and help you every other Tuesday on February 29th during leap year. Because all the gifts that he's given you, you're just a steward of the gift. And every gift that he gave you, he can give to somebody else. We honor him when we honor him with our gift. The gift is his, not yours. When we, when we have strings attached to those things, then we get the benefit from it. And it's selfishness, it's not service. Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you. Take the gift that God's given you, lay it before God and ask him, say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this gift? 1 Peter 4.10 says this. Again, each of us has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. By the way, just as a little side note, we're not just talking about spiritual or about physical gifts either. There are spiritual gifts. And I want to encourage you, if you're curious about spiritual gifts, how they operate and how God wants to use them in your lives, go home and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You all know 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter. Read 12 and 14. God sandwiched love right between two pretty important chapters. And tell me what you think. Let's finish the thing up. So we talked about how God wants us to put him first in our time. We honor God with our time. Second, we talk about how God wants us to honor him with the talents that he's given us. There's things that you just do because you're a believer. And there's things that you do because God has uniquely gifted you to do those things. Thirdly, it's important that you put God first with your treasure. What is your treasure? Treasure is the provision that God has put in your life. Understand this. You are stewards of the blessings that God has given you. There is nothing in your life that doesn't suck air that's eternal. Nothing. The house you live in, somebody someday will live in that house. The car that you drive, that payment that you make every month, somebody will drive in that car or it'll be in the junkyard someday. All of your most precious stuff, when you die, your children will take to the Goodwill or call 1-800-JUNK to have them take it out. What is your treasure? What are we talking about? Money. Some of you just went, oh no! You're like the wicked witch of the East when they water, I'm melting! Why do people freak out when we talk about money? Do you know why? your treasure is, your heart is. When we talk about giving and money, 
pokes at your heart. Know this. God does not need your money. Know this. Trinity Community Church does not need your money. God provides for us, not us. Money is a way to show you where your heart is at. Not me, I don't care. It shows you where your heart is at. Have you ever wondered why people freak out when, when you talk about money? It's because of that. It's a heart thing, because let's just be real. We don't really even know what's in our hearts sometimes until God reveals it. The Bible tells us this, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. We don't even know. That's why in Luke 12, 34, Jesus said this, Jesus' words, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You can tell a lot about your heart by how you react to money and what you do with your money. So when it comes to, to, your, to your treasure, I want to break it into two categories, make it real simple. We're going to talk about obedience and openness, and I'm almost done. First, what is obedience when it comes to your treasure? Obedience is simply this, giving to God what he requires of us. That's an act of obedience. When we look at like tithes and offering, sometimes we smush them together. They're not the same. Tithes is what God requires. Offering is what he requests. There's what he requires and then what he asks of us. So what does God require of us? Our first fruits are tithe. This is what Proverbs 3.9 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, most of you probably are not working fields and stepping on your own grapes to make wine. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about your provision. When you work, when you do stuff, we give God our first fruits. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I'll pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it all in. Try it, put me to the test. It's the only time in scripture where God said, test me. So what is the tithe for us? It's 10% of what God, you know, of the first fruits of what God has blessed you with. I know some of you just freaked out my gosh, it'll never happen. And you start to think, I can't, I can't, I can't. Stop freaking out. This is what I want you to do. Take a deep breath. Talk to God. Read the word and start. Start somewhere. This is between you and him. Honor God with your provision and see what he'll do, not just in your life, but in others. You know, this is nuts. When you live a life of obedience, you're not the only one that reaps the benefit from a life of obedience. Obedience also impacts other people's lives. When you as a family decided to come together and you said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you decided to do that before you even had kids, do you know your kids reap the benefit of your obedience? And do you know that your kids' kids reap the benefit of your choice, your obedience? Test him and see what happens. Don't freak out. Make a plan, start today. That's the first part. Now here's the second part. You start with obedience. This is what God requires of you. And then we talk about the second part, which is openness. What does this mean? This is what God requests of you. This is being open to the nudges of the Holy Spirit when it comes to meeting the needs of others. Your tithe is where you start. Your offering is about listening to God and being a conduit for God to bless others through. Now again, when it comes to giving, there's things that he requires and there's things that he requests. He requires the tithe. He requests different ways that you can bless others. Do you understand this? This is nuts to me. I can't, I can't get my head around this. When people pray, 
God uses us to answer people's prayers. You know that? That little lady on the side of the road that's got a broken down tire. Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do out here? I can't get a hold of anybody. When you feel the nudge in your spirit that says stop and help her, do you know what you're doing? You're answering God's prayer that she prayed. So for us as believers, it's important for us to recognize the nudges. This is what 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, and sometimes we confuse this. I've heard this confused when it comes to regular giving. You've got to understand, this is why we, we preach in context. When Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, he is specifically talking about they have missionary journeys that they're going on. And he says, listen, guys, we're going on this journey. We need your help. Talk to God, and he'll tell you what to give. He's not talking about tithes. He's talking about offerings. This is what he says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap graciously. Look at verse 7. This is important. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Have you ever wondered why we don't take a formal offering every week? It kind of makes us strange as a church, doesn't it? We don't take an offering every week because when it comes to your tithe, it's what God requires. I don't have to, if, if I have to manipulate you into giving, shame on me and shame on you. We're big boys and girls. Does the electric company have to manipulate you into paying your bill? What do they do? Did you see your electric bill, by the way? Is it just me? I like fell off my chair. I saw it yesterday. I'm like, what is going on? I'm going to start you know, burning like cow chips or something. I don't know what I got to do. If you want to live a blessed life, you just you honor what God asks you to do. Now, as far as offerings are concerned, there's nothing more exciting than partnering with God to bless others. Nothing. I remember years ago. Now, this is back. This is our, our first post. I was so excited. We're in Brooksville, Florida. We're at a church. Brooksville, First Assembly of God. Now it's Grace World Outreach. Church was about 600 people. We had a youth group of about 300. And it was my first full-time position. This is back in the mid-90s, late, late, mid to late 90s. I was making $12,000 a year. I was so happy. I was so excited. We didn't have much. Now, church was different 30 years ago. So church, you know, we had, you had to wear suits and you had to do, how many of you remember church back in the day when it was like that? You'd get dressed. So, you know, sometimes church people could be cruel. Rob and I don't have two nickels to rub together. We buy all of our stuff from Goodwill, anything that's secondhand. And, and one of the church parishioners made a comment about my shoes. They said, those are the worst shoes I've ever seen in my life. So I remember I saved up. It was tough. I'd do odd jobs, stuff like that. So I could save up enough money to buy shoes. I finally saved up money and I bought my shoes and I was so excited. So I was at the church office one day. It was just me. I remember it was in Florida. It was a terrible downpour rain and it was a terrible day. And we get a knock at the front doors of the church, and they go out there, and there's a dude that looks like a drowned rat, man. He's got a backpack. It's rough looking, man. And he's just been outside, and he's in the elements. So I bring him inside, get him some coffee, start talking to him, say, man, what's your story? And he's, he's in Florida, and he's just trying to get back home to Georgia. And I remember as I was talking to him, I looked down, and, and, and he had these things that just, they resembled shoes like in the worst possible way ever. And I just kept talking to him, and I worked out some things. We had some bus tickets and stuff. So we got him a bus ticket, got him something to eat. And as, as we're getting ready to, I'm getting ready to put him in the church van, and we're going to drive to the bus station, God just starts to nudge me. He says, look at his shoes. I was like, those look terrible. They're not, like, they're not like, like, nice like mine. My shoes are great. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, TJ, 
give him your shoes. And I did with God what a lot of us do with God. I went, no. <laughs> I worked hard for these shoes. I did a lot of stuff for these shoes. I just got them, and people already think my shoes are terrible. No, God, there's other ways you could do this. So then I took it another step. Now, I know you didn't. You never do this, but I did this. I started to bargain with God. Have you ever bargained with God? I said, listen, I know this is really you. If his shoe size is the same as my shoe size, I'll take that as a sign. So in our casual conversation, I tried to work in what his shoe size was. Have you ever tried to do that in casual conversation with a stranger? Just say, hey, hey, by the way, what shoes are you wearing? You know, what, what size is that? So I said, hey, man, your shoes look pretty rough. He goes, yeah, I'm in a lot of miles. I said, I, what size are those? And he goes, a 10. And I go, nuts. That's <laughs> what the big Greek wears, 10s. So as I'm in the van, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So finally, I'm like, I, I just don't have a choice. So he's getting ready to leave. I said, dude, I got to give you something. I took my shoes off and I gave him, and he goes, oh, I can't take these. I said, you have to. God won't let me not give you these. And I said, let's just change them. You give me yours and I'll give you mine. And I looked at his shoes, they're so bad. I, I, literally, I literally, I threw them out the window. <laughs> I was like, these are, these, these are terrible. And I watched him walk away with my shoes. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, well done. So I'm back in the van. I drive back to the church. I don't have any shoes. And I wasn't smart enough to take my socks off. I don't know why. I was dressed up. So I walked across the wet parking lot in my stocking shoes, feet. And I walked to my office. It was just me. And I remember Bill was our, our, our custodian. And, and I'm in there for like five minutes. And Bill comes in with his, with his mop. And he's mad. I don't know who you think you are. I've been cleaning up your stupid footprints, your wet footprints this whole time, and you got to take better care. And I got my head down, and I'm like this. And then he looks down. I'm sitting in a chair in my office. He goes, where are your shoes? And I said, I lost them. And uh, he went, ah, and he walked off. And uh, that next day was Sunday. No, it was Saturday. And I came into the office, and one of our elders came in, Mr. Soto, Brother Soto. He was that tall. He says, hey, he goes, uh, Somebody told me you lost your shoes. And I said, yeah. He's like, I don't know how, how people lose their shoes. He says, but you know, your shoes look terrible. He says, so I'm going to come and buy you a pair of shoes. God told me to buy you some shoes. He goes, in a suit, because your suits are terrible too. I said, thank you, Mr. Soto. <laughs> God always, always has those things prepared for us. If you say yes to the nudge. What if you did something nuts? What if you woke up tomorrow and you did this? What if you prayed this way? Lord, use me today to bless somebody in an incredibly radical way. Rather than saying, well, God, if you want to use me, that's fine. I'm open. I am available. What if you were more intentional? What if you prayed and you prayed, Lord, give me an amount that I could put in a special place in my wallet that when you say give, I'm ready to give. What if God told you to put a $50 bill in your wallet and you walked around all day looking for that person that God wanted you to bless? It wouldn't just change you. It would change them. I want to encourage you. Remember, we hold our time, our talent, and our treasure with an open hand. We're just stewards. Put God first in all those things and watch God act. He'll radically change your life and he'll change everybody that comes in contact with you. So do me a favor, bow your heads. I just want you to take a minute, talk to God. 
Ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hears you just like he hears me. Say, Holy Spirit, will you show me if I'm putting you first with my time? And if I'm not, Lord, give me a strategy, give me a plan. Ask him, say, Lord, am I laying my gifts before you? Am I involved? Am I doing things? Or am I just keeping things to myself? And listen to what he says. And talk to him about your treasure. Lord, will you show me where my heart is? And you can even tell him, say, Lord, I'm afraid, but I want to be obedient. I want to be open. Will you show me how to do this? And listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.